You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, I'm doing good, Shane, and I'm doing even better because I just watched Mike Leach talk about the zombie apocalypse. (laughs) (laughs) apparently nothing is off limits in washington state and these pressers gosh i'm just dying for this guy to come to the sec let's kick it over to mike leach who had an interesting take on what his life would be like during the zombie apocalypse you were preparing yourself for a zombie apocalypse what kinds of things would you make sure you pack in and uh security wise and all that kind of good stuff um <clears throat> okay now and I know this is a minority opinion and I and I and I can uh say that safely with the success of the shows and the movies but I find zombies to be the most boring of the monsters um because everything with zombies is redundant so you basically have dead bodies walking around that get parts chopped off and then continue to walk around to some degree. And it's pretty undefined what it takes to kill a zombie. You just keep chopping away at them, evidently. And um, <clears throat> without any particular clue on how they become zombies, it's almost like a disease. So it's, I mean, I guess it's sort of like uh, AIDS for dead bodies. And then, except for they live instead of die or something. I don't know. But... I don't fully understand the zombie thing. And and what I don't like about (coughs) zombies is they're incredibly redundant. Um, You know, here's a zombie. All right, we we chopped him. Okay, now get the other zombie. Okay, boom. And, you know, the the ash or decayed flesh flies somewhere. And then... um, uh, uh, you know, and it's, it's it's so after somebody's killed three zombies, I mean, it's all the same to me. It's like, and then you wait there for an hour and a half. All right, Shane. So this is uh, <laughs> the only man in history I've ever heard thought uh, the zombie apocalypse would be boring, but uh, he's he's got a good point. Depending on what horror movie you watch, I think those those damn Walking Dead. I don't think they would be that hard to kill if you got a powerful rifle. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, Leach is giving this a lot of thought, man. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I don't I don't know how well Leach is going to do when he finally makes it over here to the SEC, but I do know that, man, these, these press clippings are going to be phenomenal, man. 
and I made the joke that he should come save the zombie Arkansas program after this one. And I still can't believe it. I know this guy's kind of a nutball. He's different. Um, you know, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this, shame. but there was a person or two said, no way, you know, this guy's basically they don't want him. Can mm-hmm. you fathom a world where Arkansas is going to be in a worse spot with Mike Leach than they are right now? You know, it's funny you said that because I was thinking the same thing earlier. Just because when it was out there and it's floating around, it felt like about 90, 95% of the fans, especially Arkansas fans, were like, heck yeah, sign them up, you know? Mm-hmm. But there was that small percent that was just like, I'd be. I'd be officially done with the university if that were to happen. You know, it's just like, look where you're at right now. I mean, what, why, why in the world would you not want to take a gamble with somebody like the pirate given the circuit, you know, the situation you're in right now? I think that's exactly who I would want to come in that, or like I said, you know, we've talked about different coaches and names and stuff like that, but how can you bash, bash coach Leach when, you're, you haven't even won an SEC game in two years. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane, I just think people, and this is not, you know, I don't want to paint a broad brush here, but I think people just look at him. He's kind of weird, and he's mm-hmm. he just says this crazy stuff. You think he's kind of a nutso, and he can't recruit, and I'm yada, yada, yada. They find, you know, there's always an, an excuse of why someone won't succeed. But, I mean, I'm telling you, I've read this guy's books. He makes it so simple. This is not a complicated game. I think we make it too complicated. We, There's just, you know, you can pick apart anybody's resume, but if you can win at Texas Tech, which was terrible when he got there, if you can win at Washington State, which was terrible when he got there, if you can win <laughs> at Valdosta State, which which was not good when he got there, and he was a big part of the reason why Kentucky got good, he was a big pe- reason why Oklahoma got good when Bob Stoops got there. I mean, mm-hmm. that track record, this guy knows how to coach ball, and that's Absolutely. what you need. You need a coach. You don't need uh, you know, the next Nick Saban because there's only one. You know what I mean? And, and let me ask you since, and then we'll get off of it. Uh, but one of the comments I did see on there was talking about why would he leave Washington to come down or Washington state? Is it Washington state? He's at Washington state, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why would he leave Washington state to come down to a West team that has to face Alabama that has to face LSU face, you know, I mean, why would he do that when he could stay where he's at and, and be comfortable with nine win games, nine win seasons and, you know, every now and then, maybe he has a losing record, but he can bounce right back the following season. Why would he give that up? Well, the only reason I can think of, I mean, we all know he almost took the Tennessee job, or at least, you know, it's, it's out there that he accepted it pretty much, yeah. but Tennessee nixed it. So I just think he's eager to get to a better job with better athletes, test himself against the best, and at Arkansas, you can do that. Uh, the Arkansas is not a bad job. It's a great job. they got great facilities. They just renovated the stadium. They've got a ton going for them. Mike Leach, SEC West, let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I'm dying to see it. Already, man. All right, Shay, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. 
So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Shane, let's uh, kick it off here in the SEC East. Jump on down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! Well, Kirby Smart met with the media here all Monday, Shane. Uh, we held off this one because we wanted to wait for Barry Odom to speak on Tuesday. Uh, preview this matchup between Georgia and Missouri. And now we have a different obstacle here for Georgia. It's not going to be as challenging, obviously, as the Florida game in all likelihood. But, you know, there was... Weeks and weeks building up to this Florida game, and there was plenty of doubters for the Georgia Bulldogs. Is this team all that is cracked up to be? Uh, they were getting doubted. You know, as soon as the game's over, Kirby Smart saying, you know, and basically calling out people say that thought Jake Fromm couldn't get it done. And now it's a little bit different, Shane, where everyone said, "Oh, the Bulldogs, they've won the East." Can they beat Alabama or LSU, whoever they got to face? They're back in the college football playoff. Those rankings are about to be released. They're probably going to be number five or six. So everyone's getting on the bandwagon. So -hmm. now it's a completely different story. And I think every team is different, Shane. I I don't think – I know Georgia has, uh, you know, responded to these games well in years past, but you got a new set of players. I know there's some players like Jake Fromm that have been there consistently, DeAndre Swift, but – New cast of characters, that's kind of one of the best things about college football is you just never know how these young men are going to respond after a huge win. Is there going to be a letdown? Missouri, I know they've been struggling, but if Kirby Smart can't get his team up for Missouri, I'm not I'm not putting them on upset alert, but I'm saying if the Missouri that showed up at the beginning of the year with their backs against the wall, if they come out and play, I think this could be a challenge here for Georgia. You think so? I mean, I, I think that I think a lot of people are just reading into last year too much. You know, I I agree. Last year was a ball game, but man, Missouri's looked pretty damn rough here of late, and uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the the health of Kelly Bryant. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, so, something that coach talks about is some of these weapons, and and they just really haven't shown up lately. Uh, even Albert O. After getting banged up, he's just not been a huge factor this season like he was last year. And, you know, what what do they have? What have you seen the last few weeks that gives you the impression that Missouri really does have an excellent shot of upsetting Georgia in this game? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I I I mean, I don't. But I'm basing that, like you said, because the key thing you said there the last few weeks, because Missouri has looked rough. Yeah, they've had two weeks to prepare for this, so maybe they've worked some of that out. And uh, you know, you hit on it there. Alberto, Georgia has been hit by the tight end. Kyle Pitts got him last week. Uh, the Notre Dame tight end got him quite a bit. So Georgia's defense susceptible to a good tight end. Alberto is about as good as you're going to get at the college level. So they have that going for them. I like their receivers. I really like their running backs. Yes, we know Kelly Bryant's banged up, but Mobile quarterbacks, those they give even the best defensive, you know, trouble. But you know, having said all that, yes, I, I see what you're saying. Georgia 
should handily win this game. But I, I, once again, if there's a letdown factor, a lot of these young defenders, maybe they're on cruise control a little bit here. Not saying they will be, but if that's a recipe for, you know, if you come out and you're just kind of, you're just not fully invested. I think Missouri's a team that'll come and bite you. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I think the last week was a rough week, man. It was a rough game to watch with all that weather and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I don't know what the, you're the meteorologist of this, of this network. <laughs> I don't know what the weather's supposed to be looking like here for this Georgia game, but there was some things that happened in that Georgia Kentucky game that that did raise your eyebrows you know they really had a hard time with Bowden at times and and if Kelly is healthy and he is able to move around I think he could be an X factor and uh but I mean they're gonna have to play flawless ball man I mean Georgia is coming off uh, a big victory and I think there there may be a little bit of a letdown but I, I don't I think when you've already lost to a team like South Carolina earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can overlook anybody else here on out. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart. Uh, a lot big focus on what he had to say on how his team will respond to beating Florida on facing Albert O and then also on facing Kelly Bryant, who we still don't know if he's going to be eligible to go or healthy enough to go, I should say. Uh, but if he is, he may be probably the toughest test this uh, Georgia defense has faced this year. Coach, uh, extremely motivated and physical is a recipe for disaster after what you're coming off emotionally. Is there any way to, to solve that besides talking about it? Just your actions speak louder than your words and the actions you take towards practice and the actions you take towards preparation are all things that are in our control. Um, I don't think talking about it does it. I think uh, the actions speak louder than your words, and that'll be important to our guys, you know, how we prepare and how we get ready and what kind of plan we put together uh, to help us with these guys because they, they do a good job of making you play left-handed a lot of times, and, um, and Derek does a good job offensively of mixing things up. They've got some good matchups, especially with uh, some of their big guys. Coach, after you spent two weeks hearing about how you weren't as good as – People thought you were, and now this week your guys will hear how great they are again. Which one's tougher as a coach to deal with? Yeah, I, I don't know that either one's tougher because I don't really try to pay attention to it. I try to emphasize to the kids that that, that inconsistency is consistent. <laughs> so the, the highs and the lows are going to be consistent as far as everybody's going to say one way or the other. It's always higher or lower than it really is. And as coaches, we always say that. It's never good as it is. It's never as bad as it seems. most important thing is that our kids understand what makes you successful is what you do, not what you listen to. Coach, after battling uh, Komet with Notre Dame and Pitts with Florida, what does Albert O present for Missouri? Is he different? Is he similar? Yeah, he'll have some good tape to watch, that's for sure, because uh, we've had some tight ends uh, have good performances against us. So they'll have some some, some good things to look at. And uh, he's a good player. I mean, I think back to last year, he was – Probably the toughest matchup I thought we had last year. It just seems like he stuck out more in that game. Um, and he's a really good player. They convinced him to stay. And uh, he's done a good job improving himself this year, being a more complimentary football player, more than just a receiving tight end. Uh, he's done more than that this year. And they're doing a good job using him. And he's a matchup problem. He is a big athletic guy. 
different than Pitts. I mean, he's he's big. Uh, it seems like uh, most of this year, <clears throat> excuse me, you played a lot of a lot of younger quarterbacks, guys with not much experience. But this week, you'll be facing a guy who's been around a long time, veteran. What kind of difference will that make as far as your defense's preparation? Well, I don't think it'll change how we prepare. We'll prepare for his style, which he's, an, he's a really good athlete. They run him. He's got quarterback runs. They make you count extra hats in the box when he's a quarterback run guy. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, it's, 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 they can be Lynn Bowden from Kentucky with a really good passer back there. Okay, so now you're defending two things. That's tough. And the quarterback run element is, is, is hard, always hard to prepare for. Um, but he's got a lot of experience in big games. It's not like he hasn't played in big games and been in these kind of stadiums, been in the SEC and also playing at Clemson. So got a lot of respect for the way he plays. He plays with toughness, passion. He runs the ball. He scrambles. He makes a bunch of throws. I mean, really good player. All right, Shay, so that's what Kirby had to say on this. And how about this? I saw this stat. This was put out by the SEC Network. Georgia has not allowed a rushing touchdown this season. And no, I can't I think it's no SEC team in 20 years, Shane, has gone this long without allowing a rushing touchdown. That gives you an idea of just how well this Georgia defense is playing. They Do they continue with this? This week against Missouri, and is Georgia, you know, we've been hyping up Auburn, Florida, their defenses. Is Georgia maybe, I don't know if you want to say the best defense in the SEC, but they might be the most underrated right now. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I, I think, you know, when you look at a team like Georgia and you look at teams that they've gone against, uh, I mean, Real quick, I'm just I'm looking here. Florida not a great running team. It is it does surprise me. Kentucky wasn't able to pound one in, mm-hmm. you know, since that's all they do. I mean, you you held them to zero. Granted, there was some weather involved. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, uh, d- you know, Dowdle he was playing. I think he's one of the best running backs in the league right now. So no, I, I think this is a very impressive resume that uh, Georgia's been able to put put together and sneak, you know, because everybody's want quick to talk about Auburn's front and Florida's, you know, defensive uh, pressure that they're able to get on quarterbacks and stuff like that. And one of the sneaky defenses this year has been the Georgia Bulldogs. And the fact you've gone this long without giving up a rushing touchdown is not easy, man. I mean, even garbage time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to the other side of here, Shane, because we got, let's jump on down to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Where, man, it's been... It's been tough sledding for the Tigers here lately on a two-game skid that uh, I don't think anyone could have seen coming, and that was the easy part of the schedule. Now they're in the real part of it, and hmm, it's almost like they've missed the opportunity that they had coming into this season. I don't know how this team – I don't know if they – I don't want to say shut it down because there's so many games left, but – I don't know. I just don't know what to make of this Missouri team. And with Kelly Bryant banged up, I'm just trying to hold off doom here. Because if <laughs> if they come into Athens and they get blown out, not saying that's going to happen, but if it does, I'm kind of I'm fearful for what could happen to Missouri down the stretch. No, I, I'm with you. But you know, something Coach talks about here in a minute is you know if the game was today, Kelly wouldn't even be playing. So I mean, I, I mean we're 
it's it's the fifth, man. You know, the game's on the ninth. It's, it's four days, and you you don't even know if your quarterback's going to be ready. So, yeah, I'm a little nervous in this one. And do you rush, Kelly? You know, I, I mean, at this moment, what does Missouri have to gain? They're sitting there at five and three. You know, you could take let Kelly get some rest the next two weeks and finish finish strong. You know, mm-hmm. maybe even bring him back for the Florida game. I don't know, but it's it's just like I don't know. It, it's a it's a peculiar situation that they are in right now. Uh, Missouri's been rattled with injuries on um, both sides of the ball, and and uh, it feels like they're really limping into this thing. And if the if you rush Kelly out, what happens if he gets hurt and then? then you don't even have the chance of making a bowl game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we've already seen it with Kale Garrett. When he went down, he was the part and soul of the defense. And I don't know if Kelly Bryant is quite that on the offense. I think all indications are leading up to the season he was. So losing him, I mean, they just kind of went into the tank without him in the lineup. Yeah, against Kentucky, I mean, they – I mean, they had they had nothing without Kelly Bryant out there. Now, I think Kelly Bryant, obviously, you're not going to rush him back necessarily, but this is a game where I think he's really going to want to play more than anything because if he's got NFL aspirations, we know he does. That's kind of why mm-hmm. he wanted to play for Derek Dooley. This is going to be one of those games where NFL evaluators are going to want to see, you know, it's fine what you do against Wyoming and all these teams and – you know, the Vanderbilts, West Virginia's teams that don't have a lot of NFL talent, they want to see what you're going to do against Florida, against Georgia, and teams of this nature, because that's the best way to project what you're going to do at the NFL. Yeah. And if Kelly Bryant sits this out, and I don't, it's not going to kill his NFL chances, but there's just, it's an opportunity wasted. So I really think he's going to want to go. I think he will play in this game. I think they, I think they basically have to, unless he's just totally unable to go. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. So let's kick it over to Barry Odom, who talked about uh, Kelly Bryant and his status. Kind of like he said, if, if the game was today, they wouldn't be playing. They've had two weeks to prepare him for this one. Um, on the backup quarterback, getting him ready to go. And then on uh, kicker, Tucker McCann. Man, he's had a rough outing here, Shane. I mean, he went 4-4 four for four against Ole Miss. That was big. But Troy game, 0-1. Vanderbilt, 0-2. Kentucky, 0-1. This is this guy's only made eleven of seventeen field goals. This is his worst year, and this this is not a senior or the, excuse me, this is not a freshman. This is a senior kicker, so you may have uh, you know some of these kickers are kind of head cases. Let's kick it over to Barry Odom. Yeah, I would say sitting on Tuesday, I thought he did some things today much better than than last week. I also know that you know the efficiency on how you can play that position and what it takes. Um, you know, if we played today, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be out there. Um, you know, we'll take it day to day. I think he is a fast healer. I've learned that. Uh, I know he was anxious during practice today to do a lot more. Um, so we kind of edged it on and, and had him do, uh, more than maybe I anticipated going into today. He'll do more tomorrow and, uh, then we'll take it from there. I've got great confidence in him and, and just he's, you know, he's worked extremely hard. He's always prepared like he's going to be the starter. Uh, he's got the respect of his teammates. I know he will go play. Uh, he'll, he'll play really well. We need the guys around him to play well. And uh, he'll efficiently run the offense the way we need to. You know, I talked to him today as I, you know, this out on practice. You know, we don't. 
don't have to do anything special, okay? We need to we need to efficiently move the ball and find ways. Don't don't force a throw if it's not there. You know, throw the check down if that's where we need to go. And uh, more than anything, show the confidence that you've trained and you're ready to go. You know, he can get us out of calls with with the check system that we've got built in. So he understands it. You know, the football knowledge side of it, he's going to be in good shape. He'll be ready to go. Well, it wouldn't do, you know, very good for, for me to work with him specifically. Um, you know, my coaching point is make it between the uprights, uh, which is pretty poor um, of a coaching technique and point. But we did look at the things that maybe were, you know, the reasons why. And he's got a, I'm, I'm really confident in Tucker, and I have been uh, for a long time. And he, you look at the things that he's done in the kickoff game, in the punt game, he's been he's been a way above average for us. You, know, you look at the hang time um, on on the things that he's done in the punt game. He's given us an ability to to go cover. He's placed the ball where we wanted it to be placed. In their kickoff coverage, he's kicked it out of the end zone. You know, a high percentage of time, which is awesome. And you know, we've we've missed the last three opportunities field goal wise in in situations that you need to walk away with points. So um, you know, you take. A look at all those things and try to get them corrected, but also understand my trust in Tucker in, in walking out there and kicking a field goal is still really high. He's a really tough competitor, and I know he's going to bounce back and have a great November. All right, Shane. So Odom still got confidence in his kicker, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, the, I don't know about this Georgia game if it's going to come down to a kick, but hell, if it if it does, I don't know if you can roll this kid out there. Uh, what what are your thoughts on what uh, Coach Odom had to say there? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I could just see Odom over there trying to teach this kid how to kick field goals. Just like, <laughs> you know, just, you know, just try making this one, you know. I, <laughs> that's what I'd do. Uh, no, it, it's 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 crazy. Kicking kicking's a weird, it's a weird, just event. Uh, general, I mean, some of these guys. I watched uh, an interview with uh, Gary Anderson talking about kicking, and you know, he's just he. Here's a guy who did it for like 50 years, and you know, he it wasn't it never became a mental thing for him. But there's a lot of guys you see, like that Florida State kid, that Santiago. You remember him? He came out. He man, he just couldn't do anything for Tampa. So I, I just. I don't know, man. He may have a, a, a little case of the ips, and uh, he's afraid uh, to kick anything. And you're right. If it did come down uh, to, a, I don't know, you're, you're 40 yards out, you're 35 yards out, maybe you just go for it, you know. I think you're going to have to do that anyway to, to beat a team like Georgia. But um, if this came down to kicking game, then, then I think Georgia's made some mistakes. Final thing on Missouri here, Shane. Let's kick it back to Barry Odom, who was asked – you know, are you surprised that the NCAA is taking this long to rule on your appeal to the postseason ban? And, I mean, he's basically, he says it here, he said he was shocked. I mean, I am surprised. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. Yes, I, I am surprised. And I know um, well, we'll hear at some point. But, yeah, I'm I'm shocked. All right, Shane. I'm never shocked by the NCAA and how damn slow they go. It just Me either. seems like they're on their own clock all the time. But this has got to be killing Coach Odom and his team because the uncertainty. I mean, hell, if they win this game, Shane, they're bowl eligible. But they're they're going to be bowl eligible and bowl in, ineligible at the same damn time. I mean, it's just a weird place to be in. 
Yeah, you know, but it doesn't feel like it is as important. You know, you don't hear them talking about near as much. When we started the season and Mm -hmm. there was a chance that they compete for the SEC championship, then it was a deal. But now they're sitting there at three losses, and it's just – I don't know. Does it does it mean that much? I mean, I know the bowl game means a lot. I know it means it's going to mean a, a shit ton to these seniors that get an additional game to play, mm-hmm. maybe never get to play football again. I think that's important. It's going to give some of these younger kids practice, but I don't know. I just I, I don't think it has as much mustard as it did a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I think the real thing that would have killed them is if they were undefeated and, and had a chance oh, yeah. to go to the SEC championship but were ineligible. We'd be talking about it for years, Mike, about how Missouri got screwed. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. at least we don't have that narrative anymore. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East, let's jump on down to Gainesville. Dan Mullen met with the media here, but uh, you know, before we get into that, this is something I think we've hit on before, but Florida did not respond the correct way last year to losing to Georgia turned around and I guess a Missouri team that, you know, it was not a bad Missouri team by any means. They went to a bowl game too, but I don't think they had any business just destroying Florida in Gainesville, but that's what happened. Now I know Florida's getting a little bit of a break here because they're getting Vanderbilt off that game. It shouldn't really be tested. I mean, I think they're like a 28 point favorite in this game. Mm-hmm. So I'm not putting them on upset alert, but I think the biggest thing for me going into this one, Shane, is seeing how this team responds. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, responds. I'm, you know, I I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they got to. I think the running game still needs to get going. I think the Florida has been a. I don't know. They've just been so close in, in a lot of these close games you know but they just not been able to finish and then games that they're supposed to win they they, it's not even a question they just go in there and do their job so Mm -hmm. you know i don't know exactly what we're going to learn from from this game i just hope everybody stays healthy and that they you know they i think they've got one of the easiest remaining schedules in the sec right now i think it's just they're in cruise control right now uh they're going to finish the game if how many wins they got this season Seven and two. Okay, so they're seven and two right now. So Mm -hmm. I I think they're looking at a potential 11 win season, man. I mean, here you got Dan, uh, you know, with 10 wins last year and then 11 this one. I mean, you still, I mean, given everything that's happened and and the close games that you've had uh, with a a backup quarterback, I I think that's impressive, man. And uh, like I said, I don't think this is going to be much of a contest. I, I think that. There's there's some things that they may want to work out. I'm more intrigued, honestly, with Vanderbilt uh, in the state that they're in and how do they rebound. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen. Shane talked about this on how his team responds this year to losing to Georgia, how the senior leadership stepping up. He gave some thoughts on Vanderbilt. At least Vanderbilt's getting questions. Remember when Tennessee played Florida, they didn't even ask him about the damn Vols. <laughs> and then uh, finally, I thought this was really interesting. This was kind of the most – interesting thing from Dan Mullen's presser Shane he's kind of upset with the officiating <laughs> uh, the focus is just you know has to be the, the competitive nature for all of our guys you know a true competitor I mean I imagine we get out to practice today should be a pretty lively practice if you're a competitor because you know I mean you're antsy 
You know, I mean, game didn't finish the way we wanted it to finish. And if you're a competitor, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't wait to get back out there and get to work. You can't wait to go find a way to win the game this Saturday and hit the field again. I mean, if you're a competitor, that just, I mean, that, that drives you, you know, I mean, that, that anticipation to make sure that you correct uh, what happened in the last game. A time when senior leadership needs to kick in a little bit. Well, I think I think there, there's a couple ways you look at it. All leadership wants to kick in, but leadership to me is it shouldn't be. If we're competitive, you know, the leadership needs to kick in into helping the younger guys and everybody block out outside noise. You know, when you show when I came into the office early yesterday morning, the sun was out. You know, I, I looked to make sure the world didn't end, and I looked down when there was some guy driving down the street in like a convertible, and he was like bopping around all happy. So, looks like the world was still here. Um, but all the outside noise and the pressures that these guys feel, you know, I mean, that's where the leadership helps. You know, I mean, it, it, the, the 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 desire to go win this week's game. I mean, boy, if you're a competitor, you don't you know shouldn't need a whole lot of leadership for that, you know. And so. Uh, you know, I mean, that's to me, you're anxious to get back out there and go play. So, um, but I think that's where the leadership comes with helping younger players deal with a lot of the noise that comes from the outside. Season, but they have been able to pull out like a win over Missouri. What have you seen from them so far, just glancing at the tape? Well, I, I think one, I think they're, you know, they're always, they're a tough physical football team and they have talented players, you know, that, that, uh, can catch it. Like, like I said, they're, they're very young on defense, but they're growing and maturing, and they're going to be they're playing better defense now than they did earlier in the year. Um, but as we know from last year, they have, you know, when you look and they're a dangerous team, able to go win get the, the games they're winning because they, they, have a, they have some talented, some, some guys that are some of the best players in the league at that position. And they do a good job. You know, Derek does a good job coaching up. And like we always have, put your guys in position to make plays. And they do that with, you know, their, with some of their offensive skill players. Um, any clarification from the SEC on the what looked like a botched third down call on the first, their first touchdown? Yeah, I, you know what? I mean, I, like I said in that, I have tremendous respect for our officials. And I think our officials do a heck of a job um, on the field. And you know what? And everybody, you know, they have one of the toughest jobs, right? Because, listen, both fan bases don't like them after the after a game usually, right? I mean, everybody's mad at those guys. Something, and you know, they make mistakes during the course of the game. The on the field guys, and you know, I mean, I've been in this league long enough that I understand all that and talk to the guys. I make mistakes. Players make mistakes. They do. That stuff happens. Uh, but I've not gotten any word. I, we've asked. I, you'd have to ask them, right? That that decision was made in Birmingham uh, on that play. So that I mean, I've asked. I haven't heard anything from them. I guess that you'd have to ask what their motive is for that making the decision the way they did uh, in Birmingham. That had nothing to do with on the game on the field officials. All right, Shane. I think Florida <laughs> fans got a you know they got beef for this this officiating. I don't I don't think it cost them the Georgia game, but there was certainly some questionable calls that went in Georgia's favor. And I thought the most interesting, so if you didn't fully grasp what he's saying here, uh, you know, the, I believe it was the uh, that catch that he was really upset with. And yeah. what happened, apparently, when they reviewed it, it was the SEC officiating office in Birmingham that that made that ruling and not the refs. I guess I guess the, the office there in Birmingham, the SEC office, replay office, they make the final say and – that's what Dan Mullen is kind of upset about, how 
He's reached out to them. He's not heard anything back. You know, why is this call being made? So he's not he's not specifically calling out the refs for the game. So that there is a – I should make that note. It's not the refs he's mad at. He's mad essentially at the replay booth in, at, in uh, Birmingham. So that's something to think about. But uh, I don't know. I mean, Florida's been on the right side of some of these calls. They've been on some of the wrong side of some of these calls. It's just interesting to hear Mullen. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm not calling out yeah. Mullen. We're just, it's just like one week they're in your favor, one week they're not, and, and everybody's damn mad about it. <laughs> you know what I'd like to see, man? You know how when they have these controversial calls and then it goes to replay mm-hmm. and it's out of Birmingham, instead of having a, oh, what's his name, come on there and and, and talk about what he thinks they're, they're looking at, mm-hmm. if they'd actually go to Birmingham. And, and go to that replay booth and have somebody come up a, like a liaison and say, okay, this is why we did it. You know, so then it doesn't create even more of a controversy. If they come out and they say, Hey, this is what we saw. We're going to stick. There's not enough evidence. So we're not going to overturn the penalty. If they do something like that, I think, you know, cutting out that middleman because he got on there and he says, yeah, I would reverse this thing, you know? And then they're like, Oh wait. And then this guy comes out and says, <laughs> Oh no, the play stands, which I think it was, I, I think it was an incompletion, yeah, you know, definitely. and, and, and it, it did result into eventually into a touchdown. So who knows what could have happened? I mean, that, that, that could have been a, a seven points, 14 point swing. Who knows what happened, you know? So, um, we could be talking a different ball game. So that's just something I'd want to see. I don't even know what the original question was, but that's where I ended up. <laughs> <laughs> Final note here on the Gator Shane. This was kind of interesting, but, uh, hey, real quick, when he said be bopping in a convertible, do you see that? Do you hear him talking about that? <laughs> did, did you he no. said he looked out there he says you know the sun's still shining you mm-hmm. know and then he says i looked down there i saw a guy in a convertible i swear the first person i thought about was old ball coach man with his golf clubs <laughs> you know just heading to the course he done did his job he's heading out golfing you know so <laughs> final note on the gators here this was kind of weird shane uh, i don't think this is any cause for concern but Chris Blatch, I think is how you pronounce his name. He's entered the NCAA transfer portal. This is a starting offensive lineman at eight of the nine games for the Gators. Uh, but he had essentially been passed on the depth chart by a freshman. So I guess that's, I mean, I'm just speculating here. That was first reported by uh, uh, 247 Sports, the Florida the Florida version of 247. Uh, but, I mean, I'm just speculating as to why he'd do it once he got passed up on the depth chart that makes a lot of sense but what a weird time to just do it here in here late november i don't know i just it's not it's not a good look you know what i mean for yeah we see more and more of this and it just looks like you just look like a baby you know and i I don't know the situation there may be something else back there but when you leave during the season like this you've already passed your four games of playing and it's just i don't know it just looks like you you're pouting man like something like uh must champ was talking you took your ball and you're going home i mean who wants that in the locker room? So I think that hurts your chances if you're looking to land somewhere else that, you know, once this kid doesn't get his way, he's going to make a fuss about it. So mm-hmm. uh, stick it out. you got nothing to lose. You can't go anywhere. It's not like you can play somewhere else this season. Help your boys out. Some of those kids that you worked out with all offseason, you know, uh, I, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, that, unfortunately, injuries happen all the time. You could be You could be starting the rest of the year if something bad goes down, you know what? Absolutely. I mean, he still has potential to win his spot back. You know, you never know. So I, I'm with you, man. This is that's, that's just stupid. That's not a team player there. 
All right, Shane, jumping down to Nashville. Take it down. Going down to Vanderbilt on the other side of this. Uh, Derek Mason met with the media here, and I thought the most interesting thing he had to say, Kalijah Lipscomb is going to play, according to Derek Mason. I guess his personal reasons, whatever they were, I mean, that's over and done with. Uh, so let's jump over to Derek Mason. And then he also talks about the quarterback situation, which is sounding kind of shakier by the by the week and week here at Vanderbilt and on fixing that passing game that uh, only had 76 yards passing last week. Uh, that was uh, that was pitiful, but they got to get that going if they're going to have any chance of uh, playing with the Gators here this weekend. What's the update of Kalaja? Will he be available uh, at Florida? Kalaja's ready to go. Met with Kalaja on Sunday. He's ready to play. Let's ride. And your uh, injured quarterback, can you give any update on those two guys? Yeah, I mean, those guys uh, right now are still in protocol. I don't I don't expect either one of those guys back this week. So, man, I'll, I'll be playing, um, you know, Deuce Wallace and, and Alan Walters. You know, I mean, those those will be our quarterbacks, and we'll have a, a third quarterback, you know, ready to go. What's that? What's that like in practice? Getting those guys ready. Do you need to tweak the offense? Any? Do you kind of just plug and play with those two guys? How has the offense changed? Well, man, I mean, the offense uh, been changes just a little bit because I think you know both of those guys have a little more mobility. You know, in terms of what it looks like. So, uh, man, we're we're gonna have to tweak it just a little bit. But you know, I mean, the the mainframe of what we do, uh, man, is still there. I think you know, man, with these guys. Two, um, you know, I mean, as I've seen both of these guys move around and what they could do, uh, I mean, it gives us an opportunity, I believe, to take advantage, you know, I mean, of some 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 other options in our offense. And so, what we got to be able to do is just make sure it if it's them, if it's our guys, it it gets the ball to our playmakers. And you know, obviously, I man, we got to be able to run the ball, but throw the ball effectively in order to stay on the field and give ourselves a chance to score points. It. it they're both gonna have to be up. Somebody's gonna start. Somebody's gonna back up. So I'll I'll see how it goes throughout the week, and then we'll make a determination as we line up on Saturday. When the vertical passing game is struggling like it did after uh, Riley went down in South Carolina, what can you do schematically to maybe uh, still kind of give give the threat of the pass? Maybe short dump downs, anything like that? I think you got to hit shots. <laughs> you know, I mean, we 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 didn't dumb it down with Mo. I mean, we took shots. And, and, and Mo connected. And, like, the reality is, I mean, you got to connect. Deuce has got to connect. Allen's got to connect. Um, I, saw, I saw some of that today in practice. I mean, there's opportunities. Okay, I mean, you just got to make sure, I mean, you put the ball, uh, you know, where, where it's catchable. Uh, you know, I mean, throwing foul balls doesn't help you. You know, give a guy an opportunity and, and watch a guy make a play. You know, we've got a couple of 6'4 receivers. We've got guys, man, I mean, that got good hands. we got guys that can separate. You know, get back, give those guys a chance, and let those guys make plays for you. Doesn't have to be a perfect ball. You just got to put it in a good spot. All right, Shane, so there you have it from Derek Mason. I know a lot of people obviously expecting the Gators to roll I'm not saying that's not going to happen, but it is interesting because these two teams in recent years have played each other pretty tight. I know Keyshawn Vaughn had himself a day against the Gators, and if he didn't get hurt last year, I think Vanderbilt probably would have won that game. I mean, it kind of flipped as soon as he, I think he missed most of the third quarter and obviously the entire fourth quarter. If I recall correctly, he was just, I mean, he was going gangbusters in that one. And then Florida, with the late second half comeback, they ended up whipping them. But uh, mm -hmm. that was also the game where they, they got into a little bit of a mini brawl there. So <laughs> there's some bad blood here, to be sure. Um, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on, on this one? 
after hearing what Coach Mason had to say. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a big game for Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, honestly, they got to win out to make a bowl game. So if you think they've lost the locker room now, you know, I think if they were to lose this game, mm-hmm. I think it could get really, really ugly down there in Nashville. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because they've got – I mean, Kentucky, ETSU, Tennessee. I mean, you could argue that they have a shot to win all three of those games, but this one right here – uh man their backs against the wall i think they had their shot last week against south carolina and your best player it looked like he refused to go in so i don't know where vanderbilt is right now and it's just a mess you got jeff fisher rumors you got all this stuff. <laughs> you got you got the ad not out there exactly supporting him and so i don't know it's you, it's just a weird and, spot to be at right now if you're and you got some of the best players best offensive players to ever come through vanderbilt you know and it just felt like you got all these toys and you weren't able to play with them you know <laughs> that's, that's perfectly said all right shan let's jump down to the other columbia columbia south carolina Will Muschamp met with the media here on Tuesday, and they've got a, you know, a solid challenge this week with Appy State coming into town. <laughs> the Appy State no longer ranked, but they were last week. Maybe they were looking ahead to the South Carolina game. I don't know, but I don't necessarily think the Gamecocks are just going to show up and beat the hell out of this team. I think they will if they're focused and they're determined, like they were last week and shut down Vanderbilt, but uh, this is an interesting one, Shane, and uh, this could be a little bit of an emotional game. This is uh, They're going to have their senior night. They still got uh, the Clemson game at home, the, the season finale, but uh, they're doing, which this is not unique to South Carolina. Some other co- coaches around the SEC do this, but honor the seniors in the second-to-last home game of their career. Thoughts on that, Shane? And uh, just, I guess, on this matchup, I know we obviously don't know a ton about Appy State, but, uh, you know, they, they're they a successful program. They have been for years. I mean, if South Carolina does not take old Appy State seriously, uh-huh. uh, they could be in some trouble here, don't you think? Oh, I've heard it, man. They're saying, well, Appy State beat North Carolina, something South Carolina <laughs> hasn't been able to do, you know. <laughs> That thing's floating around. I, I, you know, first, let me talk about senior night. Senior night's special, man, because there's going to be a lot of kids honored. And um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a huge event. And I hope, I hope they all show up, man. I hope this is a sold out stadium. I think every kid that, that has given four years uh, to any university, uh, you know, most of them aren't playing. You know what I'm saying? Most mm-hmm. of these kids that get honored maybe come in as a filler, backup role or something like that. But they, they were there, man. They were there through the good times and the bad times. They've pushed the people that are some of the studs uh, to be better athletes. So um, it's a team sport, and I just hope everybody shows up at, on these senior nights around the nation, you know, and, and gives the respect that, that these young kids deserve because – um, some of them never going to get to play football again, you know. So this is a this is a big event for them. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I don't understand why they're doing it two games uh, before. You know, I really think you should do it, Clemson. It's your your they're at your stadium. You know, mm-hmm. they need to sit through that. I don't understand why we do it uh, against Appy. Um, I don't know if it's because they just if it has something to do with losses or something like they feel like they have a better shot of beating Appy than they do Clemson. Well, I don't know. I know. Texas A&M does this as well, and I've heard Jimbo's thoughts on it. And just basically, 
He thinks that uh, if you do it the last game, you know, there's the emotions run so high, it's kind of hard to get going in the oh, yeah. first quarter. You know, particularly kind of like, you know, South Carolina's not going to want to be slowed when they play Clemson. And I think that was kind of Jimbo's method when he was at Florida State. They certainly didn't want to start the Florida game slow, so they just kind of do it the second to last. But mm. they're both from the saving tree, so I bet that's kind of where they picked it up, if I had to guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I can I get behind that. Um, but I mean, it's still it's still a big freaking game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can. I think South Carolina is going to kill Appy State. And did you see where the uh, they sold out their allotment. Apparently, there's five thousand tickets. Did you see that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At first, and the band decided late that they wanted to come to this thing, and and I misread it. I was like, "What band has five thousand members?" You know, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I never misread that." So, so apparently, the, they they sold out their allotment. So, there's going to be a lot of Appy State fans there, and then. Uh, but the band decided to show up, so they're going to put them all the way up in the upper deck. So they're not going to be they're not going to be any problems there at William Bryce Stadium. So uh, it's going to be a wild game. Well, let's kick it over to Will Muschamp, Shane. Who, you know, one thing I did want to note on this senior class is important. The vast majority of these kids, these were guys that Will Muschamp. You know, this is his first recruiting class there's still some holdovers there from the Spurrier era I believe that are they're also included uh, but Muschamp kind of hit on that and just what these kids mean to him and his program and uh, you know I think while South Carolina has not had the year some of us expected particularly me the the leadership in that locker room uh, I, I don't think you can question it in you know a lesser team would have you know, just not showed up the rest of the year. They beat Georgia. They still got mm-hmm. some aspirations here. They finished strong. They're going to go to a bowl game if they get some wins here. And I think this is the right crew to do it. Uh, on, I just thought this was kind of interesting. He also talked about Appy State and all their pre-snap movements. So get ready to see that on Saturday. <laughs> and then finally, uh, a guy that I don't think does, gets enough credit for all he does, Brian Edwards on uh, helping Halinski along during his true freshman season? Well, it's not a special bond between a head coach and the first recruiting class, especially when you come into a situation where the program is coming off a bad year. There's yeah. a coaching change and a lot of uncertainty. Sure. I think that uh, these guys will always remain special to me and the staff uh, that, have, that have been here and appreciate uh, their contributions. And you see, that's why I purposely read through some of the things they've done off the field to show uh, you know, what they've meant to this program, you know, for the first time in school history, last fall semester, our cumulative GPA as a football program was above a 3-0. And then in spring semester, we did it again. Uh, so a lot of very positive things. Again, I'm disappointed from a team standpoint. We haven't exactly had the year we wanted to have or we anticipated to have. It's been very inconsistent. That's on me. Uh, but but very proud of uh, their accomplishments here at South Carolina. Uh, well, going off from that, being able to recognize these seniors before the game on Saturday, what do you tell some of these younger guys? Because I'm sure as it gets closer, they start to realize, all right, I'm going to be a junior next year if I'm a sophomore. And, and do you have a message for those guys? I do. And I tell them every year, but unfortunately, some of them don't listen. And I tell them all, it, 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 we sit in our team meeting, the seniors sit in the front and the freshmen sit in the back and they work their, their way down by year. And I'm looking at the top today saying you have no idea how quickly it's going to happen. And how quickly it's going to turn for you. And we had a, a senior meeting this morning, and some of them said, you tried to tell me, and I'm starting to realize I got two left at williams Bryce, 
and it's it's a it's tough and it's a it's but it's you got to cherish every opportunity cherish every moment um and we've got great examples of guys that have taken full advantage of of the opportunities you have here at South Carolina for our young players well, the common theme from players today was that App State does a lot of pre-snap motion offensively mm-hmm. as a coach how do you Coach that to tell players what to key in on maybe pre-snap to know where the ball may be going. Sure. Uh, I think that, you know, Colin, uh, in every defense, in all 11 players, there's a pre-snap key. So as, a, as, a, as an on-the-line player, your eyes are going to be on either on the guy you're lined up on or an adjacent player. From a linebacker standpoint, generally our keys are, are in the backfield. Uh, whether it be the offset back, whether it be the what we would call the sniffer, the the, the offset tight end, uh, depending on the run game, it could be the back uh, that you know generally will have as a corner. Your general keys are either the guy you're aligned on or somebody adjacent inside, whether it be a tight end or a number two receiver. And then depending on coverage, your safeties are going to be aligned on either a tight end, a number two receiver, a nub side, keying through the uncovered guard on the backside if you're a spun-down safety in some form of sky force. I mean, those are all different keys. So every defense has a different key. And then when motion occurs, sometimes that key could change based on who is motioning. And that's where they try and get you a little confused. But they do a really nice job of creating a lot of window dressing as far as motions and things are concerned. Uh, But then also mixing that with tempo. So you can't uh, not get a line, get your cleats in the dirt, get your eyes in the right spot, and all of a sudden the ball's being snapped and they're running, they're going fast. As opposed to they also mix the tempos with a motion, a motion, then a reset, a motion, then a snap. So you've got to just be alert in what you're trying to do and, and have your eyes in the right spots. But I think eye control's critical for us on Saturday. Well, how big has Brian Edwards been for the development of, of Ryan Holinsky and, and his quarterback play this year? Well, I don't, you know, there's no question to have somebody that you have a comfort level with, uh, that you have a, you depend that they're going to make a play for you, that you can throw a, a hitch, you can throw a screen, you can throw something that's a quick game that you don't have to make a huge decision on, and a guy can crease it and make a 30-yard completion, which gives you a lot of confidence, which gives our entire football team confidence and our offense confidence. So there's no question to have a, a guy like Brian out there that is dependable as he's been for us this year. Uh, it's a huge aid to Ryan. All right, Shane, so you can kind of hear it there in Will Muschamp, kind of the emotions of what this night's going to mean for him as well. Um, this is going to be a fascinating one, and I really expect that the Gamecocks, with all that they have against the line and, uh, you know, even a little disrespect that uh, Appy State is only an underdog slightly at an SEC yeah. stadium, that place is going to be rocking. And I don't think uh, the Mountaineers are going to be able to – they're not going to see another crowd like they're going to see Saturday when they come on down to Columbia. And this is a this is a real opportunity for South Carolina to gain some momentum against a quality opponent if they whip up on them. Dude, they ain't seen a defense like this. And they'll never see a defense like this all season long, you know. I, I, I love it because it's if it feels similar to the UAB Tennessee vibe I saw last week where they're saying, well, you never know. These guys only lost one game, you know, and their offense is freaking awesome. And Johnson played from his back the entire game. You know, that's the same thing that's going to happen here with South Carolina. I hope that they just cut it loose, man. And I mean, this is a, <laughs> this is a ugly, nasty defensive front. And if they do that, this, this isn't going to be a ball. Who cares about South Carolina's offense? They're not going to need it after this game. Mm-hmm. They may have more defensive touchdowns than offensive touchdowns. All right, Shane, let's uh, jump on down to Fayetteville. 
Woo pig. Once again, we just got something to kind of, I'm just shaking my head at here at Arkansas. I got a lot of respect for John Chavis. You know, he's mm. one of the veterans of the SEC. And I've always thought that, uh, you know, his defense has obviously not been as good as they have been in years past, but um, you got to respect someone that's been doing it as long as he has at a high level. And clearly he still has a good reputation. The fact that, uh, I mean, he's been in the SEC West, the toughest division in football for, I don't even know how long now. Probably seems like 20 years now, but uh, I, I just didn't like this, <laughs> this one shade where, you know, not making any excuses, but uh, here's an excuse. Here's- so let's kick, let's kick it over to the chief. Listen, they're they're fighting for us. As you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. Look at look at look at Western Kentucky's roster. They've got eight or nine redshirt juniors starting for them. We got five or six freshmen that are either starting or playing a lot. That's eighteen year old versus. 22-year-old. That makes a difference. Now, that's all I'm going to say because I'm not an excuse maker. It falls on me. And, and, and I've been in, in college coaching for 42 years. And I've never, I've never stood in front of anybody and made an excuse. And I'm not going to start today. All right, Shane. So I wasn't totally surprised to hear this based on you know, everything we've seen in Arkansas. I thought you gave – I think you did say it the best, the, just given the fact that you know, Arkansas's offense was not doing anything last week, leaving that defense out to dry. But at the same time, I mean, this the defense is dreadful right now in Fayetteville. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I was just kind of dumbfounded that Chief came out and said this. Yeah, you never – I mean, anything that you say and then you say but, you know, it's like you can just disown everything you began to start. I mean, it's just like Chief was like – uh, you know, he gave a whole thing of excuses. Then he's like, but I'm not going to give any excuses today because that's not <laughs> what I do. Okay, coach, you just said it for like three minutes there. Uh, I heard a lot of excuses there. Apparently, you're playing grown-ass men this week. And uh, the thing about the chief, I love the chief. As you know, I've got history with the chief. He almost offered me a scholarship. You remember that story? <laughs> yeah. So I love the chief. But it's time, man. I, I've been saying this since honestly, I've been saying this since A and M. It, it's time, you know. Eventually, you just get there, and 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 I know he's he loves coaching. I know it's a big part of his of his thing. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's in his blood, it's in his DNA, and mm-hmm. uh, I love hearing his story uh, about when he first got to campus at University of Tennessee. You know, just as a football player, uh, this kid didn't have anything. It was just football was all he knew. So. I love the Chief, but it is time, man. I hope this is the last season. He doesn't need to be going through this. I mean, hell, his heart I can't take it much more. I, I, I'm ready for him to hang it up. I'm sure there's some Arkansas fans out there feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing, Shane, I just wanted to hit on this. I thought you would appreciate it. Get your blood going before this game. Two things on the Tennessee-Kentucky game. So, obviously, you know, we did the opening line Sunday evening, which on the Monday morning podcast – and Kentucky opened as a four-point favorite. That line has already swung a lot of sports books. Tennessee's a one-point favorite. Others, they're a pick em. So, you know, either way you want to look at it, it's swung four to five points in Tennessee's favor. That's pretty massive to me considering, you know, there was no huge injury news. You, don't, you typically don't see lines 
shift this late in the year to that many points. And then one other thing, Shane, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I think you might be a little upset, but Kentucky fans went down to Knoxville. I don't know if you saw this. and I saw it. Painted the rock, go cats, blue. And I saw some people on Twitter so we got we to gotta prosecute these people. That's vandalism. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thoughts on that, Shane? With this this Kentucky Tennessee rivalry, it's heating up already. It's only Tuesday. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, for a couple things. You know, obviously, you heard my reaction when we did this uh, the spread predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a phone call later that night from Westgate, and they said, uh, "So, what do you think it should be at?" And I told them, <laughs> "You know, <laughs> I saw it getting adjusted." So. Uh, I may suck at picking them, but I, I, I'm pretty good at the old uh, the spread game that we play. Uh, now, as far as The Rock, I love it. I mean, because if you remember, uh, the, we got a history lesson talking about the beer barrel. Mm-hmm. And we used to have players go and steal this daggone beer barrel from each other. You know, I mean, it used to be. It was like this, and so for somebody to come down here and rock go cats, it wasn't like they wrote something real bad, you know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> there's I been a lot like, worse on that rock. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah, there really has. So they'll be they'll be redoing it the, this Saturday, and I'm sure there's going to be a little extra effort in it to to get that that nasty blue color off there. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, that's all I've got on this episode. You got anything before we hop off here? No, Mike, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, We have got, well, one thing, we've got the big thing coming up. Uh, What's it called? Um, Our first playoff, whatever. The college football playoff rankings. Yes, that is coming on. But unfortunately, we are recording this before then, so we don't have time to react to that. But uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It comes on here in about 12 minutes. So I know uh, Mike's anxious to get there. He's got probably like 10 what you got probably got like 10 essays to write tonight or something yes sir it's uh, gonna be a late one for me so i gotta cut this one short all right Uh, don't forget to give us a five-star rating review on apple podcast itunes whatever the hell it's called we'll send you a koozie we still got some koozies we got purple crimson orange blue we're almost out of orange and blue we got red we got crimson we got black so just give us one of them reviews send us that information email us at that secpodcast at gmail.com hit us up on the twitters or the reddits we're happy to send you a koozie free of charge Uh, thanks for joining me Shane thank you everyone for tuning in I'll catch you on the next one alright see you guys go balls better stop touching my rock